So July 4th, what is that supposed to celebrate? Independence. Abraham Lincoln said that the United States of America was born, birthed, conceived in liberty. And yet we find that our liberties are slowly eroded. And uh, some of this has to do with our caution wearing these masks today. And I will tell you, I'm gonna wear this for now, but uh, I'm not gonna wear this the whole time. Um, I want to be an example to you. And, uh, but first of all, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do my mask fashion show. So um, probably the most creative mask in the room is, is right back here. All right, my main man, San Juan. It's the wrong college, but nonetheless, all right. It's, he, he turned his T-shirt into a mask, so that's great. This mask that I'm wearing right now took like eight weeks to get there. So right at the beginning of this, I guess when these places figured out they could make money off of this, they started advertising on Facebook. And so this is these Christian masks. I don't know if you can read it because my face is kind of angular. I guess my nose sticks out too far. I must have a big nose. But it says, Jesus save, save me or save my life or something like that. And it's got three, um, it's got three uh, nails. And uh, so I thought, if I'm going to have to wear a mask, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to represent Christ. Amen? Hey, it's something that I can recommend to you guys when you go back to school. The likelihood is you're going to have to wear a mask. So if you've got one like you guys have got, decorate it. Seriously, get your markers out. Do something cool with it, right? Or get some sort of a mask. And every time somebody looks at you, they've got to look at the message of the gospel, right? They've got to look at whatever it is. It's like these football players, you know, they put stuff on their, you know, the tape under their eyes and all this other stuff to represent. Hey, represent Jesus, all right? So now you're going to see something. I shaved my beard. Yes, I did. Oh! So you guys saw me wear this one last week. All right? This is my faith over fear. So uh, I got this one at Mardell. So this is, you can go to Mardell and they had them at that time, they had them sitting right by the counter. You get one of these, right? Pretty easy to carry around. It's just terry cloth. It's kind of like a little tighter version, probably a little heavier version of yours. I didn't even know what this was, okay? This is a standard dust mask that you would have gotten at Home Depot back in the day. In fact, this is a Home Depot version. And then I looked at the bottom this mask, Home Depot, blah, 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 NIOSH N95. This is an N95 mask. This is the only mask that you're gonna wear and keep particulates from getting into you. The rest of the time, these other masks that we're wearing are actually showing our concern for other people, amen? In fact, I heard someone say that one of the ways that we can show people love in our day is just by wearing a mask around people that are concerned about all that. There's people that are freaked out about all this, right? There, there's, so, there's such a division when it concerns this issue. I just want to use it as an issue uh, or as an example of what we should be doing with the freedom that God has given us. We can be reasonable people. We can be intelligent people. We can be people who show that we have faith over fear, amen? And I try to remind people all the time, your mask, if it's like this, or the ones we pass out, is really not protecting you, we're protecting from one another, okay? 
protecting you from spit and snot and sneezing and coughing and all of that other kind of good stuff. But the reason that we take your temperature at the door is because I really think that that's just a better way of finding out whether or not you may or may not have this. Even if you don't show symptoms yet, your body's temperature will go up because as your body starts to fight this, that's one of the things that happens, all right? Another thing, if you have an, uh, a watch that measures your, uh, your heart rate, if you wear this thing going to bed and you notice that your heart rate is higher, over a period of nights, that's another thing that your body will do to fight infection, is your heart rate will start beating faster than average. So these are intelligent gauges for us to determine whether or not we are actually dealing with this. Now, above all, I want everybody to understand this, uh, and by the way, they finally fully named this thing. It's called SARS-CoV-2. It is a SARS virus. And this is why I uh, watched a little report from a doctor that I pay attention to uh, online. This is why 80% of the people show minimal or no symptoms because there have been about five or six different SARS viruses that have been out there over the last decade. If you've been exposed to one of those, and your body has fought that off, you have Im not the full immunity for SARS-CoV-2, but you have the beginnings of that, and so your body already has an idea of what to fight off. So this novel coronavirus is becoming less and less novel. We're learning more and more about it, and we can be intelligent about what we do, okay? Um, so how do I tie all this together? Because my intent was not to just keep reminding us of this because, you know, uh, <laughs> one of our, one of our, our folks uh, said something to me a couple weeks ago. She, she said, I am so over this. I am breaking up with the coronavirus. I'm like, yeah, I get that completely. I would like to break up with it too. But the way we're handling it, just you and I just need to roll with the punches because this is going to be with us for a while, right? If we were doing the controlled avalanche version of this, we would just say, let it roll. Let it roll. If you're healthy, get out there and circulate. If you're at risk, isolate. And if you're sick or you've been exposed, quarantine. But that's not what we're doing. We're trying to quarantine everybody. You know, initially it was, let's, let's flatten the curve. And this like, no, 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 no. The reality is, I think that, this is my example. This is like a mugger waiting outside your house. And so if you don't go outside, you don't get mugged. That's true. But then the mugger just like, okay. And so he hides in the bushes. And he just still don't go outside, so he just puts a tent up out there. You and I need to figure out a way to get past the mugger. Amen? Yeah. So learn to defend yourself. That's what you got to do because this isn't going away, right? So I want you to understand that. But um, this mask wearing business is a good example of what we should be doing with our freedom. Um, this, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what was he referring to? He was referring to slavery to the letter of the law. Okay, so Galatians is written to a group of churches that were largely Gentile, but all of the churches began with a Jewish core. In fact, the Apostle Paul would go to the synagogue and he would preach to them first. He always wanted to offer the gospel to the Jews first, right? To the Jew first and then the Gentile but it became largely a Gentile movement because increasingly the Jewish people decided uh, in that day that they were not going to receive their Messiah, even though uh, all of the 12 apostles, right, and the apostle Paul, all Jewish, started off that way. Well, in the beginning, they just saw this as being uh, a Jewish movement. 
And they were kind of surprised to see how it spread among the Gentiles. In fact, uh, there were issues that they, that they had with this because the Gentiles were not keeping the law. Now, you and I might think of the law as just the moral law, but it was far more than that to them. It was a ritual law. There were certain things you did. You washed your hands, not just wash your hands like we do, okay? Now that we know that, you know, we need to wash our hands and, and you know, I've got the, the, the hand sanitizer up here and all that. But that, they didn't have any idea of what germs were. This was a ceremonial thing. They they washed their hands in a specific way before they ate as a way of saying that they were clean before God. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, you get clean by having faith in Jesus, okay? But these were these ceremonial laws, these ritual laws that the Jewish people observed and to this day still observe as a way to set them apart from the nations, from the other peoples, to show that God had chosen them and we now know he chose them to bring the Messiah into the world through whom we come to Christ, we come to, to, to God through Christ, okay? But there were, there were uh, observant Jews who said, no, these Gentiles who are coming in, they need to observe the law. They need to do what we're doing. Now, if you were a male, this meant that you were circumcised. Kids, your parents can talk to you about what that is, all right? But the reality is that's a very invasive procedure on a male, and this would have effectively killed the gospel movement in the first century because Romans, those of Greek culture, were not about to get circumcised. They were not about to have their children circumcised. That was just, and, and increasingly we see this back in our culture again. There are people that are very, very opposed to that. I, I, I suppose it's still being done pretty regularly in hospitals, but it's decreasing, right? But this would have been abhorrent because it was not a medical thing. It was not a, a way of keeping clean. It was a ritual thing. And so what these guys were saying, these observant Jews, they were saying, what needs to happen is the Gentiles need to be circumcised and they need to follow the law. That would have meant all of the law. That would have meant they need to observe all of the feasts and the festivals and so forth. And the Apostle Paul, who received the gospel for the Gentiles, said, no, they really don't. What they need to do is exactly what you who follow the law need to do. You need to put your faith in Jesus. See, because a lot of times people put their faith in these observable things. Again, I can use the mask as an example. Am I going to put my faith in this? All right? I need to put my faith in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean, see, this gets hooked around my glasses, and this is really fun. Okay. Um, I need to put my faith in Christ. That's where my confidence needs to be. My primary reason for having you do this and for me doing this is so that we are observing our, our cultural norms right now and so that we are honoring our governor and so that we are making people more at ease who would come into our midst who are concerned about these sorts of things. And so if anyone does come up with this, and, and eventually I've prayed for you, I've fasted for you for 23 days, but the reality is this thing's going around. It's got to it's got to reach between 30% and up to 70%, but probably closer to 50% of the population before it's going to contract. So, when we keep seeing that the increase of the numbers and and we're we're freaking out about that, what I want you to notice is as the numbers of infections have increased, we've seen that there are actually fewer people percentage-wise that are dying. Right? In fact, the last calculation that I did in uh, looking at our numbers in Dallas County, it was 1.54% case fatality rate. That's pretty close to the flu, right? 
So now, you know, we need to look at these current, uh, these current infections and, and what they're going to produce. But the reality is this is nowhere near, not even close to being as lethal as they originally thought it was going to be when they shut everything down. In spite of that, uh, in certain parts of the country and of the world, they're still trying to shut everything down. What is our response? It is not to fear but it is to act in love. And that's what we're seeking to do here. Well, the Apostle Paul said, look, these, these Gentiles should not have to obey the law. But he still went back and submitted himself to the apostles, the, the apostles that had known Jesus longer, the ones that were considered pillars of the church in Jerusalem. He submitted the gospel that he preached. And Peter actually came to Paul's defense. And he said, you know what? The first time that the gospel went out to the Gentiles was actually through me because Peter was told by uh, the Lord to go to this man named Cornelius's house who was a Roman centurion. Well, Jewish people, much less Jewish men, never went into Gentile houses. That made them unclean. But he went into this man's house, this Roman centurion's house, be like the equivalent of a, of a captain in the army today, right? And he preached the gospel and the validation of the fact that they really received the gospel is the Holy Spirit dropped on them and they started prophesying and speaking in tongues, which was probably a very, very external, ecstatic thing that might make some of you in this room uncomfortable if you were to watch them doing it. But it helped them to see, hey, these people really did receive the Holy Spirit, okay? So Peter came to Paul's defense. And by the way, this is in Acts 10 and 11. It's so important, it's repeated almost verbatim. It happens and the report is there. And then Peter is brought in front of the, the, the council, these people, and he says, no, 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 wait a minute. You need to look, this has gone to the Gentiles and it was accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And they said, okay, then we need to back away from this. So what they decided to do was come up with some basic ground rules for the Gentiles. Are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. Amen. So they wouldn't offend the Jews. So they said, well, then, you know, Moses is preached everywhere uh, all over the world, and we don't want them to be offensive to Jews. So they, they shouldn't eat uh, meat that has been strangled. This is going to sound weird to you. That still has blood in it or meat that, uh, that, has been, uh, that has been ceremonially offered to idols and they should avoid sexual immorality, right? So let's go over these things. Why, why these rules? Why would these be offensive? Well, going all the way back to Noah, the Jewish people, this is even before the Jewish people. Noah is before the Jewish people, right? The, the Noahic covenant is to everybody, right? Through Noah. Um, God said that the life is in the blood, and so to respect that, they were not to eat meat that still had blood in it. That meant that you had to properly butcher the animal and bleed it out, right? Now, again, I'm not trying to gross out your kids or anything like that, but that's why you were not supposed to eat anything that was strangled because it would still have the blood in it. And so it had to be bled out, right? And then to be more specific, they said, don't eat anything with the blood in it. Now we've got, you know, Gentiles, I've, you know, I'm not, Scottish, I've got some Irish, but if you've got some Scottish in you, the Scottish eat blood sausage. It's disgusting, but you know, if you like it, then amen. Um, 
But nonetheless, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very Gentile thing to do. Um, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. This was probably intended to keep the Gentiles from offending each other. They had just come out of idol worship. In fact, this was something the Apostle Paul dealt with at length, by the way, okay? Um, the Apostle Paul said, look, I know that this meat that was sacrificed to these idols, it, it, it doesn't mean that it's tainted by the idol, all right? That the, it doesn't mean that the idol is anything. But what happens is when you have a neighbor that knows that that meat was offered to an idol and he sees you eat it, he may assume that you're worshiping the idol still. And he said, if they say, hey, that meat was offered to idols, your response should be, then I won't eat it. Because they weren't free to eat it? No. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, don't let someone else judge your conscience. He said, because it will give offense to your neighbor. This you can find in Romans chapter 14, okay? You'll give offense to your neighbor. Your neighbor. You'll, you'll hurt your Gentile neighbor. They will, they will assume that you have not really fully left idolatry behind, okay? So don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now, the Apostle Paul said, if you're just sitting down and you're eating, and nobody brings up the fact that this was, because this is what they did, all right? Obviously, uh, you know, idols are, are not gods, okay? So they would offer this meat to the idol. Well, the, the idol is not going to eat anything, right? Yeah, you know, statues don't eat, right? So say, here, you know, Baal, eat this. Okay, I know you won't eat it, so we're going to take it, and then we're just going to sell it in the meat market, and we'll say we offered it to the idol, Okay. So some people would use that as a cause to celebrate and participate in the, in the idol's table and to say that, you know, they were like our communion, right? We're participating in the table of the Lord. This is their way of participating. But it was their intent, right? There had to be intention there. So if it was just meat and you bought it there and nobody said anything about where it came from, then just eat it because it's not offending anybody. But if it offends somebody, then don't eat it. Right? This easily applies to these masks. You guys are going to get back to school. Okay, we're hanging out together. We love each other. Uh, we know each other. You know my stand on these. Uh, you know, frankly, I hate them. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. But nonetheless, I, I, I don't want to be offensive to anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I also want our church to have a good witness, right? That's, that's what I want to do on the whole. Um, and so as a result, you know, I've changed my stance on whether we're going to do this here, even though the governor has given us a pass. And this is why I'm saying if you're sitting there worshiping, you're not moving around, just take the thing off. It's okay. We're, we're legal. But we're trying to be careful. We're trying to make sure that we're being a good witness. We're trying to be sure that we're not spreading anything, even though my understanding of this is different. Uh, I'm not the CDC, and it's not my right to, to give that a call. But you guys are going to get back to school. You're going to get back to work. And you know people. I bet you have them on your Facebook. They think that you are a spawn of the devil if you're not wearing one of these masks. You know, that, you know, you just want, to, you just want people to die. That's all. It's just, you know, if you wanted people to live, you'd stay inside. You'd wear your mask. You know, I guess we would just lock ourselves in our bathrooms and, you know, I guess turn on the vent, you know, at least, you know. <laughs> And just be scared until it goes away in 2023. But that's not the answer to this either. However, if I'm going to have any kind of witness around people like that, I can't just barge in, invade their six-foot space, right, and tell them, hey, I'm free, okay? I'm sorry, snowflake, that you're so scared, but I'm free. It's not the way to run it. 
what we need to do is we need to be careful about who we're, because the reality is we're just this, is just, this is just an example. That's all I'm using it as an example. We're living in a culture right now where people are offended by anything and everything. You probably have friends that are offended if you eat meat. There are vegans that think that, you know, you're a spawn of the devil if you're eating meat because, you know, animals are essentially people to them. Well, so if I'm hanging around somebody that's a vegan and we go out to eat, I'm not going to eat a big old sandwich, you know, with chicken or beef or something on it in front of them, right? I will probably go their way. We'll go to a, a, an Indian restaurant, as in a continental Indian restaurant, um, and eat some vegan food. I've done a couple of vegan fasts. There's some really good vegan food. There really is. So I knew, well, I'm free. I can eat whatever I want. I'm just not going to be around people like that. Maybe we need to stop acting like that. Maybe what we're showing is pride and rebellion and not freedom, right? And what we need to be showing is love. So we have this, this uh, statement here, this commandment, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. So I'm not legalistically wearing this thing everywhere I go. I'm not wearing this in my truck by myself, now, again, as I said to you, I think last week, I understand people that are in the medical field and they, and they know that adjusting these with your hands is not a good idea. They're smart enough to know that you just put it on and you just leave it alone. At this point, I'm not that disciplined. I just keep messing with it, right? So, again, I say, if you're outside, and this is according to the, to the rule, I keep I point up here because I did have a, a graphic of it, um, if you're outside and you're not anywhere near anybody else, I mean, if you can maintain six foot distance, then the rule doesn't compel you to wear a mask outside. Now, if you want to, that's up to you, but you don't have to. But if you're hanging out with your buddies, right? And you guys didn't know it, but I was at Intrinsic and I watched you guys out there after Wednesday. <laughs> and they weren't wearing their masks until somebody's parents drove up. Oh, 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 oh. Come on, hurry! Let's put on the mask. Wait a minute, I got it. I got it, it's on. I love teenagers. They're so teenage. All right. In any event, if you're out there and you're able to maintain six-foot distance, yeah, you're gold, right? If you're in your car by yourself. Now, if you're in your car with somebody from another family or another household, wear the mask. That's what we're trying to do here, okay? I'm just trying to make sense, but I'm not legalistic. I'm not walking around with this thing because I think that it, A, is gonna keep me safe, or B, because the governor has demanded it, I'm trying to make sense of the whole thing. This is what the apostle says. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Oh, the flesh is rebellious. That's the essence of original sin is rebellion. Don't tell me. what This is the way I am. When people tell me what to do, I'm like, uh-uh. Mm, no. I'm a grown man. You don't get to tell me what to do anymore. That's my immediate reaction to all of this. All right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want that to be around me. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Okay? And I always have to take seven steps back and say, okay, 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 okay. What is this accomplishing, right? Am I just spreading rebellion? Am I just, it's just my pride. 
I've got to reevaluate. So this is, this is the flesh. Now there's a lot of other ways that we might use our freedom to serve our flesh, right? Um, you know, there are those that think that because they're forgiven, that means they can just go on and do whatever they want to do. Just go on, you know, go on and sin, right? Um, and the Apostle Paul says, no, don't you know that when you came to Jesus, you were immersed in your baptism into his death so that just as Christ died, you died to your old self and you were raised with Christ to walk a new life. He says, you can't continue to walk in that. You're dead to that. If you're really in Christ, you're in his death and you're in his resurrection. You have a new life, you have a new nature. And so what I find is the old nature is still hiding down there, okay? And the old nature still, you know, the aforementioned rebellion, still, oh, don't tell me what to do, that sort of thing, okay? But I'm in Christ, I'm in the Spirit. And so that new nature wins. So when I, when I go against the Lord in some way, and you know, as you, as you grow in your faith, the Lord kind of tightens down the requirements to some degree. You would think that it opens up, but it's not really that way. As you grow in your faith, the Lord kind of presses in and wants you to be, to be more specific about what that faith means and what you will and won't do. So whereas before, the Lord might have let you kind of get away with something, so to speak, right? Um, the closer you grow to him, the less you feel comfortable doing that. I'm gonna give you an example. Uh, from my early life as a believer. So I've always loved movies, right? This has just been a part, it, it's, it's just been a part of my life since I can remember. When I got old enough to drive, I got my driver's license, I started driving right when I was 16. That's how I got free, right? I bought my own car, so I turned 16 in March, I worked through the summer, that following summer, June, July, and August. I took that money and paid cash for my first car. And it was a, it was a piece of work, let me tell you. Uh, it was a 1970 Olds Cutlass. It had had, they had these fake cloth tops on these uh, kind of vinyl tops. And it really had a, a metal roof. Those of you that are older know this. but. Uh, that vinyl top would be there, but what would happen is that thing would just rot away and it would just come off. So my car was green and sort of rust and brown and various colors. So that was my first car. Man, I'm free. That meant for me, I can go to church now. I waited until I turned 16 when I could drive myself to church before I made my public profession of faith because I knew that if I did anything in church prior to that, I wasn't gonna be able to keep my commitment. I was like, no, I'm gonna keep my commitment. My parents are not gonna drive me to church every Sunday. It's just not gonna happen. You guys that your parents do, you are blessed. My parents would not do that. They're like, no, I'm good. We took you a few times and that kind of turned you around and we're good, right? You can go, you know, once every so often, right? So I knew that I was, I was feeling strongly convicted that I needed to make a public profession of faith. I needed to, in our church, that meant I needed to go forward. Now in our church here, we have a prayer time at the end with you, but in this church, that was specifically a time for decisions, for commitments, right? You stood up and you went forward like at a Billy Graham crusade, right? If you don't even know who that is, look it up. He was an amazing guy. I right, just passed away two years ago, three years ago. Um, 
In any event, it was a public confession that I've chosen to give my life to Jesus, I've chosen to follow Jesus. So we would get up and we would walk forward. Well, the, the biblical profession of faith is baptism. And you saw us baptize faith here a couple of weeks ago. All right, faith, who now has faith? Um, but nonetheless, uh, th this kind of pre-confession was this walking forward in church. So when I was 16 years old, that's what I did because that I had my driver's license and I knew I could keep my commitment. At the end of that summer, I had purchased my own car and I was going to church by myself in my car every single Sunday. Well, the way our youth group worked, we didn't have like, like you know, you guys have Wednesday, you can just kind of chill and hang out and sound like a, you know, a herd of rhinos up there, um, which you do sometimes. Our, our youth group was youth choir. So back in the day, church was Sunday morning, Sunday evening. They had Wednesday, uh, excuse me, they had Monday night outreach where you drove around and visited people that visited your church. And then they had Wednesday prayer meeting, which really wasn't a prayer meeting, it was Bible study, which is what I do here, just with a lot fewer people. Um, but in any event, youth was youth choir. And so what we did is we went behind the auditorium. There was this huge choir practice room back there. And we would sing all these songs and we learned musicals and we did all this really cool stuff. We got to wear choir robes, which if you've never seen a choir robe, it looks like a big dress, okay? And then it's got a stole on it that you, you know, we, yeah, okay? So rather than, uh, my, my church wasn't close to my house, right? Uh, my church was about probably 20 minutes or so from my house. So rather than drive all the way back home, because I was paying for my own gas and my car didn't get great gas mileage. And you might say, yeah, but gas was really cheap back then. But we made no money back then either. So, so I'd have to drive all the way back home and then drive all the way back to Central Phoenix. So what I would do is I would go over to this movie theater that was about two miles from the church. And I still get a good feeling about this. And I would just go in there and I would watch movies, man, right? So I, you know, I saw everything that came out and I'd go watch a movie in the afternoon, come back, do youth choir in the evening. So, you know, it was like my spiritual life and my kind of just cultural life, I guess you would say, were intertwined. At first, I'm just watching any old movie that came out. Um, but then, you know, I start, my conscience starts becoming more and more particular, about what I'm watching. Nobody had to tell me, hey, don't do that, right? That's legalism. Somebody's got to lay down the law for you and tell you. This is why I don't like telling you, you have to wear the, I don't like this. I want you to pay attention to the Lord. I really do, okay? Um, so I go and see, and I'm going to tell you a movie because it's somewhat innocuous. Um, th this is also going to tell you how old I am. How many of you have ever heard of the movie Animal House? Older people have, younger people have not, okay? John Belushi, Animal House, hysterical and filthy in places. When I first watched it, I didn't really have much of a conscience about it. I was just watching, ha, 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 you know, and we would do the things, you know. John Belushi, at one point, he's, it's like a set at a college, um, and he's sitting down with a, you know, with a group of friends of his, and he fills his mouth up with, I don't know if it was like whipped cream, or I think it might have been whipped cream or, or mayonnaise or something like this. He says, hey guys, what am I? And he fills his mouth up and he goes, I'm a zit. Because <laughs> it, okay, it was disgusting. 
the teenagers should be laughing and they're not. They're just looking at me like, you are warped beyond. Sorry, if you saw it, you probably laughed. But that wasn't the dirty part. There was some parts in there. And so I remember I'd been a believer for about a year, maybe longer than that. And now I'm going to college and I'm living in the dorm, maybe two years. I'm living in the dorm at Grand Canyon College, which is now Grand Canyon University. It's huge, but it was about the size of DBU back then, okay? Um, not the same size land-wise, but student-wise. And uh, so I, I saw this movie again. I think I saw it, it had come out so that you could see it somewhere other than the theater. And I st- was watching it, and I was like, man, what was wrong with me? This is dirty. I just... You know what? The Holy Spirit just tunes you up. You need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. And so I don't just continue pressing on because, hey, I have the right. I can go see Animal House. I could rent it and watch it up there. Is it going to hurt you? No. And honestly, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to tempt me to, you know, fill my mouth with whipped cream and say, hey, I'm a zit or something. Okay? It's not, I'm not going to do what John Belushi did, but see, it's not entertaining. That's not entertaining to me anymore. The same thing happened with my music. I had a huge music collection because I had joined the Columbia Record and Tape Club once, and then again, and then I joined the RCA. And you say, why did you join it? Because you got all these free records at the beginning. So I just joined it under two, I'm sorry, I wasn't very moral, but I wasn't Christian at the time. And so I got all these free records. So I, you know, I started off my collection with just tons and tons of records, you know, and I, I was just listening to what was popular back then. And then I started listening to the words of these songs. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. That's just, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong, right? I had a few holdovers, like some, Holdovers that were kind of dear to me. One of them was Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven album. I really liked this album. So I didn't really listen to it that often. So I wasn't really convicted about it, but I just I kind of had it, right? And the songs were not all great. And this was a time, early 80s, I'd had this for a while. And this was a time when they started talking about backmasking. I'm like, what? I didn't buy into it at first, but there were all these youth ministers and preachers out there that were like, no, if you play the record backwards, and back then you could actually, it was an actual album. You put the needle on the album and you just run it backwards with your finger, okay? So people were saying, this says this and that says that and have you heard this, whatever. So I had a friend, uh, I didn't, I had my album, but I didn't have my record player, all right? I had a friend who had a record player and I remember it was kind of weird because his record player was up so you had to kind of like climb up on this whatever to get your finger up there. He could put the records on, but you had to climb up on a chair to get your finger on it and go backwards. So I put the headphones on, I brought my album over there, and I start running it backwards, and I'm hearing these messages. I live in the house with Satan. I'm like, what? Nobody told me to listen for that. I'm like, you know what? I don't believe that anybody can hear what's on here backwards forward, but what I do believe is that this is dedicating this album to the devil, and I don't want to have anything to do with that. You should think about the lifestyles of the artists that you listen to. You should think about what that represents to other people, even if the song is relatively innocuous, which means harmless, right? They might have a harmless song, but then they might have all these other songs. So there was all kinds of stuff going on, and it's not a matter of styles, right? It's not a matter of rap versus country versus rock versus blah, blah, blah. 
It's a matter of who do they serve? We're singing songs in here that represent Jesus, okay? So could I still listen to Led Zeppelin? I can still, I can play Stairway to Heaven. Not very well, but I can play it, right? But I don't choose to represent those bands because I want to represent Jesus. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? So this is, you were called to freedom, brothers, but that doesn't mean just, woo, do whatever. I can do whatever I want to do. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And here's the positive. But through love, serve one another. That's what we're seeking to do. Through love, serve one another. I want you to think about that when you make these decisions. So when you make a decision about whether you're going to wear this or not wear this and where you're going to wear this, make a decision that is informed, that's wise, right? That's not just legalistic. It's just like, no, I, I better wear it. I'm supposed to wear it. And governor says to wear it. But think about who you're in the midst of. Who are you around? And how is that affecting them? How is that impacting them? What is that saying to them? Right? Because I want to represent Jesus. And that's why I showed you my, you know, my fashion show of masks, my faith over fear, and then my Jesus mask right here. Because I want to represent Jesus. Now, that doesn't just mean by drawing something on your mask. I need to represent Jesus with my character, with my attitude, and with love. And I'm concerned that all too often I'm representing me and what I want and then having to sidestep and say, oh, okay, wait a minute, maybe I better rethink this. This is what we should be doing with our freedom. Our freedom should be used to serve the Lord Jesus, to love other people. And let's continue to hold on to that freedom. Let's not just give it away, right? So, you know, in the coming days, you may hear me advocate for our freedom as Americans. As I said at the beginning of this, you know, Lincoln was right on. He said this country was birthed, it was conceived, in fact, in, with this idea, this concept of liberty. That's freedom of speech. That's freedom of religion. And there are folks out there that don't agree with that. They don't think you deserve the, the right to say what you want to say. If you have an opinion other than their opinion, you don't get to talk. They're going to shout you down. They're going to shut you up. They're going to get you off of social media. They're going to get you, you know, make sure that the, the mic is dead when you're getting interviewed because they, no other opinions are allowed. That's ridiculous. That's not critical thinking. That's not objective thinking. You can't be objective if you don't even listen to the other side. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. If you're not listening to the other side, you can't be objective. And there's just a real tendency to sort of land with your, your group or your political set or ideology and refuse to listen to what anybody else has to say. Now, I try to be willing to listen to what other people have to say and then make decisions accordingly. I, I'm a decisive person. I am not an indecisive person. Anybody that's ever been around me will tell you, I don't just go, well, I don't know what to do. What should we do? I don't know. Gosh, I, I make a decision. That's just, that's what it means to be a leader. Make a decision. But if I've made a decision and that has been harmful to people, offensive to people or whatever, I am willing to listen to what those people have to say. And I'm willing to make adjustments in accordance with that. All right? And you've got to look at that in your own personal life and with the people that are around you as well. You don't have to give up your freedom in order to compromise in areas that are not essential, okay? If it's essential, I'm not going to compromise. If it's non-essential, okay. I'm good to go. This ain't hurting me a bit, all right? I have to learn to breathe, by the way. 
spread it out. You know what I've discovered? You have to breathe more slowly when you've got one of these on. If you breathe too fast, you're breathing in your own CO2 and you just go like, ready to pass out. No, you breathe out, wait a second, breathe in. Because when you breathe out, it lets the CO2 clear through the fiber in the mask and then you breathe back in. I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. So don't give up your freedom. Don't feel like that just because you are willing to wear a mask in certain respects, that automatically means that you're afraid. It doesn't. Now, there are some of us, I, I know there are folks that just cannot wear these. I, for whatever it is, they just can't do it. I mean, they, they freak out, they panic, they feel like they're going to pass out or whatever. Then we need to be understanding. So if you're in with a group of mask wearers, that means don't judge this person that just cannot do that. We let people be who they are. I believe very strongly in self-determination. Ah, and this is why I took this thing off, because I breathe and it blow, yeah, you can't even see. So nonetheless, hopefully you see that this has been an illustration of what we're talking about. I can give one final example. When we first started this church 21 years ago yesterday, by the way, I started it on 4th of July for a reason. I wanted us to be independent of the institutional church. I wanted us to be independent of religiosity, of ritualism, of legalism. I wanted us to be independent of that. I wanted us to be free. I wanted people who came to my church, to came to our church, to be free from accusation, to be free from judgment, to be free from guilt. I wanted people to be judged on the basis of their character, not on the basis of their clothing or their earrings, or their tattoos, or their habits even, but of their character. And we grew up a lot, okay? Uh, Dean is back here. He's getting ready to, to play. So Dean, when you very first came to our church, <laughs> Dean, Dean worked at Schlotzky's, and he made, a, he made a mean sandwich, and he made a mean pizza at Schlotzky's. There used to be a Schlotzky's over here. You know, it's sad that it went away because I really like it. So, um, but when you first came to our church, um, tell the people at home what brought you to our church. Because I think that uh, they, might, uh, they, might like to, they might like to hear. Here, just, just hold that up and, and tell, them, tell them why you came to our church. Um, actually, this is And I was told there was a smoking section. <laughs> so we... Uh, Yes, I know, it's surprising, but I used to smoke cigarettes a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, I was told there was a smoking section. I was like, no way. We can sit in a church and listen to Jesus and smoke cigarettes? That was not true, but, you know. <laughs> but we did meet outside, and those smokers could stand at the edge of the, of the group and, you know, indulge in their habit. Well, when Dean first started coming to our church... And there's another member of our band that's not here, so I won't tell on that person. Oh, now you know who it is. Anyway, um, it's like, okay, he's the only one not here. These guys smoked. Dean, did I ever tell you you couldn't smoke? No. Did I ever tell you you couldn't come to my church if you smoked? No. Did I ever make you feel like you were less because you smoked? No. See, I think the Holy Spirit works on you. Right? Now, does that mean because I, I, I think smoking is, is, is not unhealthy? It is unhealthy. But there's a lot of things that you do that are not healthy. And I don't tell you you can't come to church because you do this or you do that. 
So this is what I want to help you to understand. We need to accept one another. We need to love one another, right? We need to use our freedom to serve one another. We need to stop judging each other. You need, you know, whatever your position is, again, I keep referring to the mask, but hopefully we'll get over these. Um, You know, if you're a non-mask wearer and you're judging people that are wearing, I'm going to be honest with you. When this first came out, every time I saw somebody with a mask, it infuriated me. I wasn't mad at them. I was just like, that is so dumb. I, every time, and especially people that are walking around outside, I would like, I'd be like, you are so dumb. No, Daryl, stop. Stop acting like that. You know? But I have to say that over and over to myself. That is so stupid. I just can't believe that these people are doing It's just judgmental. Pick whatever you want to pick. Pick cigarettes, pick a mask, pick whatever you want to pick. We can't be doing that to each other. If we're going to represent Jesus, then we've got to, by love, in love, serve one another. Okay, so that's the conclusion of the message. Hopefully the Lord spoke to you today. If you have yet to establish a relationship with Christ, those of you that are watching uh, via YouTube or on our website or uh, on Facebook, um, it's very simple actually to establish a relationship with Jesus. I'll just take these off and then it won't matter. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. What does that mean? That means that you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, that you believe that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. And you call on him to be your savior. You call out to him just like a, a lost child in a you know, water park or at the mall or something. We'll cry out to mama or daddy or grandma or grandpa or whatever. Um, you cry out because you know you're in need. You cry out because you know you need to be saved. Call out to Jesus. That's prayer. Just call out to him and say, Lord, save me. You don't have to say a lot of words. You can just say that. And scripture says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Establish that relationship and then follow it up. Follow through. Get baptized. Come talk to me about it. Any of you here, come talk to me about it. We got to baptize you one at a time because of this, but I'll baptize you one at a time. If we got to baptize people all through the summer, I'd be happy to do it. All right. Let's continue with our time. We've got one more song. We're going to take up our offering and we'll be done.